podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Analyst Inside Cricket, a sombre start to the programme this week in memory of all those victims in New Zealand and that terrible shooting just close to where Bangladesh and New Zealand were about to play the test match, the third test, and of course the tour as a result was cancelled, a terrible moment for the world and the world of sport and the world of cricket and I suppose, in a way, a poignant reminder of something that happened almost exactly 10 years ago in Pakistan when the Sri Lankans were targeted by terrorists before a match in Lahore and uh, last weekend was also the final of the Pakistan Super League in Karachi. So, well, what what, what terrible incidents uh, we've had to sort of reflect on but um, the cricket world will pick itself up and, and carry on as hopefully New Zealand will too uh, Simon, you've read a quite an interesting yeah, well, story about that, well, that just, incident. Yeah, Tammy McBell was I mean, just relating how close the Bangladesh team were to the attack on the mosque. It's obviously a tragic incident. Those people are actually caught up in it. The Bangladesh team so close to being caught up in it themselves. They were on their way. I think the reason they weren't there in the mosque at the time was because they, they stopped for a game of football. They had a game of football was delayed. It, they, they were playing at Hagley Park, which is... You know, we were there a year ago for the England-New Zealand test matches. It's really close to the mosque on the, the, the west side of Hagley Park. And they, were, they got caught up in a game of football and delayed them going to the mosque. And they actually saw people lying on the ground. And they were in the bus outside for six or seven minutes trying to decide what to do. I, of course, didn't know what was going on utter confusion and in the end they left the bus and went back through Hagley Park to the Hagley Oval which is very close by and the and the tour was cancelled and as, as you say you know it was 10 years ago that the Sri Lankan team were targeted I mean this is obviously different this is they were nearly caught up in it um, and they in Pakistan 10 years ago that you know they were actually mm. targeted as you know Trevor Bayliss yeah. and Trevor Bayes and Paul Parfus were involved there. Yeah, yeah. And, and Chris Broad, wasn't he, the match referee? And yeah. as, as they so graphically um, related and mm. remembered in, a, in that um, programme that was on Five Live not so long ago. And New Zealand clearly are going to review their security policies for future touring teams. It's, it's incredible, actually. I remember in the World Cup, the last World Cup in New Zealand, flying from Christchurch to Dunedin with the New Zealand team and we did not go through airport security. It was just like getting on a bus. And I said, well, you know, this is really weird. You know, mm. if you come from London, you go through... Uh, indeed, if you fly through most airports in the world, you know, massive amounts of security. And it was really noticeable just how different New Zealand was, you know, how, how much more relaxed it was. You know, the idea of taking a flight without airport security, mm. astonishing, uh, it felt at the time. Well, I mean, I presume that sort of thing from now on is going to change. Yeah. And, uh, I, I mean, it's obviously going to heighten the necessity for security at the World Cup absolutely. even yeah. more. I mean, I've been in MCC committee meetings at Lords where they talk a lot about security. It's the number one hmm. uh, issue to, to, to consider, really, when we talk about the World Cup. And, of course, we've got uh, India against Pakistan in Old Trafford uh, in the World Cup as well. So uh, lots of uh, things for the authorities to consider 
uh, after that uh, appalling incident in New Zealand. Let's uh, just change tack and, and, and look ahead, though, um, to, well, both, both the English season and also the IPL, which starts in a few days' time. Um, it always, at this time of year, sort of March, end of March, I, I, I always hark back to the, the days of when I was playing, which I know is sort of virtually ancient history, but it's sort of the, the end of March where you suddenly emerge from the indoor nets or perhaps playing abroad in the winter to the week of pre-season training because that's all we a did. week a week that's all we did a week of pre-season training uh, the, the uh, uh, which was always in Middlesex's case at Barclays Bank gym in Ealing uh, which is now a, a derelict actually uh, as are well, Middlesex as well the way they've been playing actually the last year but um we so we were cast into this dusty old gym to try and dust off the cobwebs of a winter of inactivity, basically, if you hadn't been away for the winter. And uh, if, you, if you hadn't been away for the winter, what would you do? What, what would you yeah, do that's, from that's September to, to March? Hardly anything. I, I mean, most, most of them. I remember um, this Glamorgan player called Steve Barwick being asked. You know what? What did he do in the winter? And he said absolutely nothing. I just sat on my ass, basically, uh, and and it, you know it probably looked like it. But um, if those of us who liked other sports played football, for instance, I played football once a week and probably went to football training perhaps a couple of times a week. So, or just for a local club. Yeah, yeah. So, so I, you know, I stayed reasonably fit. But I think a lot of players did did very little. And suddenly, to have this sort of gut wrenching, lung bursting week of shuttles in a gym and a few burpees. I, I remember Phil Edmonds saying, is this training really necessary? You know, uh, it was a, a bit of a weird experience and some five-side football, a uh, lot of carbo-loading at lunch, a bit more training in the afternoon, home by three. Did that for five days and it was pretty uncomfortable, especially for those who hadn't done it, anything in the winter. But then that was it. That was pre-season training done and into the nets. <laughs> Uh, so slightly weird compared to now, where they're doing, you know, the sort of yo-yo test, which is the modern version of the bleep test, or pushing big tyres up and down the indoor school or whatever in November. You know, so training never stops for the modern player. Well, one of the differences, of course, is that players have got all year round contracts now, whereas you probably have yeah. a six-month contract right. or summer contract, yeah. didn't you? Yeah, totally, yeah. So September the 30th, you, you handed back your sponsored car and you got your P45, and goodbye, see you in April. Mm. The reason we talk about this, of course, is because it's so different now for the players. And they've been in training, and, and players are still playing all around the world. Uh, England players are playing in the yeah. Pakistan it's Super never League ends. final. It's never ending. They're yeah. playing out in the Pakistan Super League, mm-hmm. and lots of them are going to play in the IPL as yes. well. Yeah. So we uh, just just looking ahead of it, we've, we've got a, a chat with Joss Butler uh, in this program, and uh, after the break, we're going to look at how players practice or how they will practice in the future. But uh, tomorrow's world, actually, yeah, tomorrow's world absolutely fa- fascinating, using virtuality to practice. Mm. Just before we go into the IPL and the county season, just give us a quick reflection on that last couple of weeks in the Caribbean. A bit of unravelling from England, you know, with Farbrace finishing his tenure as assistant coach. Mark Ramprakash, we had him on the programme last week, finishing his tenure as batting coach. So a little bit of sort of wobbling in the camp at all, do you think? Well, it's a really interesting tour overall, I think, the West Indies tour. Uh, salutary for England in the Test Series, you know, lots of problems exposed by the West Indies. In the one-dayers, 2-2. I mean, I said at the start, I thought England, you know, you'd expect them to win the series. OK, there's one match knocked out. 
So it ended up 2-2, I thought probably 4-1. At best for West Indies, 3-2. Well, it could have been 3-2. We didn't have that extra game. And, you know, England looked fallible at times. And then the T20 series... Uh, West Indies looked right off the pace, and some England players proved themselves. You know, players who, who perhaps wanted to prove themselves actually took their opportunity. Like Billings. Like Billings, who played, made a yeah. breakthrough innings. Chris Jordan bowled really well, and that caught the eye of, I think, you know, the England management. That... So you could see Chris Jordan and Billings pushing for the World Cup well, squad. Well, I think, I think Jordan and Billings are sort of, you know, among the top reserves, if you like. I think the World Cup squad will be roughly the, the squad that went out. That played in the ODIs. Yeah, that went out to the ODIs, with Jofra Archer yeah. you know, being the, the wild card. Instead of, say, well, who knows? Curran, for instance. Possibly, who, yeah. who knows? Yeah. There, are, there are a few options mm-hmm. on the table for that. So then you've got Denley, you've got um, Jordan, and you've got Billings, probably as reserves. Well, uh, well, Denley might get in. I mean, if yeah. Archer, uh, who's Archer going to come in for? It could be... It could be Joe Denley, or it mm. could be Tom Curran, or it yeah. could be David Willey, or, mm. or it could be someone who gets injured. You know, who knows? I mean, that's a, that's a distinct possibility. So there, you know, there's that situation, and then there's the sort of behind the scenes situation where oh, I don't know. Owen Morgan runs the the white ball team. Uh, the, the Test team is you know Joe Root is obviously to, to the fore in that, and you've got some changes there. You've got Mark Ramprakash being knocked out as the batting coach for the Ashes. You've got Paul Farbrace going when, you know, he, he said, I'll, I'll stay on. And you just wonder about sort of Trevor Bayliss's situation there, Trevor Bayliss's, his role in all this. He's lost Paul Farbrace, who was his main confidant. Did he want Mark Ramprakash to leave as, as batting coach? I'm not sure that he did, you know. So where does, where does that leave him? Hmm. Bit exposed. Well, in a way, but I, I suppose he is going as well himself. Yeah. And Ashley Giles has come in, and you know he's the man that ultimately makes the decisions after consultations. So that you know, there's that 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 change, that moving around of the pieces behind the scenes as well. Uh, mm. What I want, I mean, I don't know. I'm just sort of thinking totally off the top of my head here. Uh, Trevor Bayliss is going at the end of the summer. You know, what if England were to have a, a really bad World Cup and not? You know, not get to the semi-finals. I think if England don't get to the semi-finals, that would equate to a really bad World Cup, and they've got to make semi-finals as a minimum. You know, would would Trevor Bayliss's position be under threat going into the Ashes? It seems far-fetched, but England changed their coach last time going into the Ashes at home in 2015. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm just, I mean, because, mainly because I think that the expectation is England, and hope certainly is that England will get to the semi-finals. But you know, Ashley Giles and perhaps there's some. Impetus there from Joe Root behind the scenes. You know, is the, is the captain who's, who's running the test team. Perhaps you know, prepared to make some changes in what is a huge year for England cricket. I mean, you know, you've lost the assistant coach and the batting coach in what's a you know really big year hmm. for England cricket. And you think about generally, you think about stability, don't you? Well, behind the scenes, there's a bit of change going Fra- on. Fragility, and it just shows or change how, anyway. But it just know, shows you, how uh, how fragile life is as a coach. Actually, that you are very much um, at the at the whim of, of results. Um, you mentioned uh, Joffre Archer there, and he will have the great opportunity uh, to shine and prove himself, not only in the one day as against Pakistan in May, but also in the IPL. He's one of four England players joining the Rajasthan Royals 
their first match is the 27th of March. So the IPL starts on Saturday the 23rd and uh, the Raws play their first game on the 27th and there's he'll be in a squad with Joss Butler, Ben Stokes and Liam Livingston who mm. might get a, a, a gig occasion. I mean, Liam Livingston is probably there largely as a reserve for when players like Butler and Stokes return back to England for, for preparation for the World Cup. But a great opportunity for Archer there to, to show what he can do in that intense environment. He's done it before. He's played in the... In fact, he bowled two of the fastest deliveries in the IPL last year. So it'll be interesting to see how he's graded on, moved on from his experiences in the Big Bash and with the expectation of the sort of spotlight on him. Yeah. But there, there will be more focus, won't there, on a, There will sure. be, there will be. Uh, I mean, Butler uh, uh, seems to be going from strength to strength. I, I've um, just done some sums and figured out that since his IPL stint last year, when he joined the Royals for the first time, he's made 1,700 runs for England in all formats, averaged 46, which is the best in the team, better than Root, who only averaged 37 in that period in all formats. So Butler has, has been really the star of the last 12 months for England. And, I mean, that, that innings he played in, in Grenada, mm. you know, was ridiculous. You must have been you must have been ducking in the commentary box. <laughs> it was a wonderful day that. It was a it was a brilliant one day match. I know there were there were a few people saying, Oh, is this really proper cricket? Is this what one day cricket's come to? And you bowlers just looking back over their heads and see the ball disappearing. But I, I made this point before a little bit, you know, that you've got two of the best fifty over players in the world at their very best on that day. Chris Gale and, and Joss Butler. And playing in very different ways actually mm. too. I mean Butler just makes hitting the ball, look so sort of easy, so nonchalant. So, um, I, anyway, I, I, I thought... Like, I did a little interview with Butler the other day, and you always think, don't you, when you look at a player like that, he looks so calm at the, at the crease, so confident, and yet, actually, throughout his career, he's had moments of introspection, lack of self-belief. But I think he's figured out now, and partly, I think, his experiences with the Royals last spring uh, were, were the kind of turning point... He now knows how to access that more positive mindset more often, and he pays a lot of tribute, actually, to the work he did with Shane Warne at the IPL. He had a huge influence. Um, yeah, I think it just does, you know, again, why the IPL is incredible. The opportunity to meet these people is one of the, the greatest to have ever played the game, and um, I love, you know, I love listening to him. He's obviously got that aura and great storytelling ability uh, so I love talking to him and listening about uh, and just an incredible um, outlook on the game I always thought um, you know he had him just saw things differently that not everyone could see about the game um, and then talking sort of more individually he gave you so much confidence um, and it didn't feel false at all it, it, which I think was a, a big thing for me because you know, sometimes you sort of feel like a coach or someone might just be trying to say these things to make you feel good, but it felt like he had a, a real belief in what he was saying and um, gave me a lot of confidence. You know, he actually, you know, before the test call or anything came along, we, he was actually talking to me about test cricket and saying, you know, where are you at with Red Bull? Like, what do you want to do? And um, why can't you be a success in it? And, and sort of all this stuff. And um, now, when someone like that is talking to you in that way, it just, it just gave me a huge amount of confidence. Just a little tiny reflection on your amazing innings, 150 in Grenada. 
how you know you totally destroyed the bowling after taking a bit of time to get in obviously um how are you feeling when you're demolishing the bowlers like that and um, you know what what's your what's your state of mind um you know re- ruthless calm aggressive pumped up oh, i'd say pretty calm actually um it's fun that you're feeling calm and and actually i remember you know having a real thing up of trying to extend it as long as possible uh, and being consistent with it we're almost trying to um so you know talk about going into the zone it's almost a almost meditating and it's that meditative state of um relaxation and calm but so um alert and sharp the brilliant feeling when you're batting is when your subconscious is just doing everything for you and you're just you almost stood there with a blank mind that's been one thing over the last year i've tried to work on a lot more is the mental side of it and how to access the zone as it's got more um consistently uh, and not just sort of set you know you hear people talk about interviews saying Mm. Uh, you know, it, it was just my day today. Well, how come Virat Kohli's day is every day? Like, how does he get to that state every day? You know, so that's something I've tried to to work on and, and believe that you can do it every single day. Well, that's Josh Butler on his way to the IPL. You play with hundreds of... Not actually <laughs> on the way to the IPL, no. but... He will be soon, yeah. yes. You play with hundreds of cricketers in, in your career. Do, do you think a lack of self-belief was a, a feature of some, most, nearly all cricketers? I mean, there's so much time, isn't there, on the sidelines to think about the game. I think it's the biggest issue in the game, actually, is is dealing with the expectation. Because it's a team game, but it's an individual game within a team game and you're you, you know there's no one to help you it's like you can't when you're bowling you can't pass a ball to another player or when you're batting all right so you, I suppose you could play a single and give the strike to the other person that's the equivalent of of passing the ball to the winger mm. but you've still got to face that ball yourself and it could be out you know the, the, that ball can dismiss you and so that the, the whole concept of a death which is what being out is in cricket because you can't come back. You don't get a second go, do you? In, in certainly in a one-day game. Uh, so I think it, it, you know that self-belief is something that's very hard to overcome. And you know, identifying the players that have that strong mentality is very difficult because there's no real measure of it. You know, it's very hard to to judge a player when you see them playing in the nets or whatever. Have they got that self-belief to deal with that that, that pressure in, in in a match? And uh, it, it, it's I mean, I remember, you know, bowling the last over in games and I was trying to look outwardly calm. Mm. Inside, I was absolutely bricking it. Mm. You know, I, I was... What was it like wreck. when you were bowling that last over? Well, that's what I mean. Yeah. You know, I was, I, I, I was trying to look to the batsman calm, but, I, you know, I've looked back at film of that and I rushed it. You know, mm. I didn't take a deep breath. And This is, and, this is and, the and final was, against Warwickshire. This was a final against Warwickshire, mm. NatWest, NatWest final. And... I think the, the trouble is you don't know when you're uh, feeling those nerves whether that's normal or not. Does everybody feel those mm. nerves? I, I assume. Well, because everyone else seems like a good actor, you mean? Well, maybe. You know, some are better. Yes, exactly. And, and some seem to sort of just deal with it. Butler just seems so nonchalant, doesn't he? I mean, the, there were some run chases he's 
featured in there was that match in Sydney I think where he got 100 not out against the Australians in a one day game he's very proud of that innings there was uh, some games in the IPL last some, summer uh, where he, he was not out 90 to see them home in a, t- a tense 20 over game in front of sort of 50,000 screaming fans so he's obviously got that sort of ice cool mentality Morgan has as well but I, I know that I don't think I had it, but you know, are those people really feeling nerves inside, and they just know that they can deal with it? The key to nerves is knowing you can deal with it, mm. knowing, knowing that it's okay to feel slightly nervous because you you know you can handle it. Mm. Butler's, I think Butler's best one day innings, just talking about his performances, actually was that hundred he made against Australia at yeah. Old Trafford uh-huh. last summer. Yes, because that was an innings of various phases, yeah. wasn't it? Because he he didn't. Blaze it everywhere. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't in a way. It wasn't a typical Butler innings. He had to play with the tail, and it was a last wicket partnership. And it was actually a phenomenally hot day as well. I don't know if you can remember that. It's hard to yeah. remember, mm. believe that there was phenomenally hot days when you consider the weather at the moment. Uh, but that you talk about that sort of. I'm Vic, Vic Marks, who, who he's sort of watched him growing up and, yeah. and, and knows him uh, reasonably well. He talks about sort of having ice. Throwing, flowing through his, his veins. veins, and that he, he does give that impression, uh, and that sort of almost like that that utter ruthlessness mm. that you, you sort of dead-eyed ruthlessness that you, you sometimes see in in batsmen. That they are going to be the winners. Yeah. They, they've decided it almost. And I think he is the England's trump card in terms of the World Cup. Uh, he, he is the person who. I think he reads the game very well. He can change gear in a, in, a, in an absolute jiffy. He's got that range and ability against any bowling. And I, I, I think, you know, you have this, not, and you're not alone, in having this slight worry about England not reading conditions that well and blowing up occasionally. I think Butler is their sort of safety valve, the person who hopefully will see them over the, the, those hurdles. Do you think he's sorted out his technical problems? I and mean, one of the problems he had uh, sort of early on in his Test match career he was sort of playing at the ball outside the off stump, nicking it, feathering it through to the keeper. Is, is he is he technically a better player think, now? Has I he think, still got those flaws that are, are going to take him down every now and again? I think he's worked on it a bit, but I think the main thing is that, as we heard from him in that interview, that he's learned to to play his way mm. to to trust his natural instincts and you know you can't make yourself into a a boycott thank god uh, or whoever <laughs> you know you you you're definitely better off i mean obviously you can tinker with your method a bit but you you're better off playing your natural way so with with a li- and i think he's become more selective he's still going to get he's going to get caught behind mm. occasionally because he doesn't get across quite as much as other batsmen do, and he probably is at the ball a bit more. But he's trying to minimise the number of times he gets out like that, I think, and, and, and that's that's working. So, well, good luck to all the all those guys playing in the IPL from, from England. There's lots playing around in, in other franchises as well. Do you have well. concerns that uh, there's a big workload with the World Cup coming up and players think, might get injured? We've seen it in the past. Wokes and Stokes got injured in, in previous IPLs. Well, it's more likely to happen with bowlers, isn't it, than, than batsmen. So, obviously, Archer is going to be one who... Might need to manage himself a bit. Ben see, Stokes. Yeah, Stokes, yeah. I, I saw actually the other day um, some images of um, Ben Stokes's toe when he'd been bowling in Australia a couple of years ago when uh, he got terrible blisters. And I mean, he does put his body through some serious pressure. Mark Wood, another one, who let's hope he manages to, to get through the early season uh, in England 
and doesn't get injured because I think he's going to be a key for for England in the World Cup as well. Yeah, if you look at just talk about the West Indies tour, if you look at you know, players who really progressed and really came out of it much better players or much better reputation they went into it. I think Wood is one who who did that definitely both I mean all three formats test those that Pfeiffer in St Lucia that that four for 60 in Grenada which actually helped England win the game he rather got lost with Adil Rashid's wickets at the end and Chris Gale's amazing hitting but Wood's four for 60 absolutely vital in that and then he came out to wickets in the in the T20s he was given one opportunity took three for nine so mm. he's someone that's come out with a great deal of credit and that's one thing he said early in the tour to me you know, I did an interview with him you know you, you, I said you know you're bowling well what, what, what more can you do what more do you need wickets he said you know I'm, I'm, I'm not going for many runs but I, you know the, the, the wickets column always says one for rather than you know five for or four for well he actually put that right towards the end of the tour mm. yeah good well well done to him too actually because he's one of those sort of great charismatic figures of English cricket and you just will him to do well you want him to do well all the time because of his enthusiasm and, and passion so so good luck in the start of the season I think he's going to play for Durham at the start and a, and a couple of the championship games uh, to begin with and I hope he finds his rhythm and doesn't slip over on a damp bit of outfield or something it's hard to believe that the season is yeah. two or three weeks well, I've seen Surrey <laughs> but by the way, way practising already in their tent over the, the square at the Keir Oval so um, but players are getting in, in, in good nick already, of course. Uh, and we should just mention the Cricketer magazine is out uh, on Friday with our famous wall chart depicting the season, trying to make sense of the very complicated nature of, of the county season. We've got 21 different colours <laughs> for all the different formats of the game and competitions and so on, including, of course, the women's tournaments as well. So... Try and look out for that. If you're not a subscriber, you can go to www.thecricketer.com forward slash magazine or just thecricketer.com, actually, and you can subscribe to the magazine there. It's our biggest seller because it's got two pages on every county with form and players to watch and all the fixtures neatly listed. So look out for that one because that, that is the magazine to have for the summer, The Cricketer. Hello, this is Shane Warne, and you're listening to the Analyst Inside Cricket Podcast. Now, if someone had said to me at the age of 12, what would you like for Christmas? What would be your ideal Christmas present? Well, not just at the age of 12, probably 13, 14, 15, 11, 10. It would have been what is being developed by some very clever people, and it is... Virtual reality batting. Now, we, we've sort of had a, a feel for it before with the simulator, at, the NatWest simulator at Lords, yeah, yeah. but there is a company that is trying to develop a, a simulator that is what, five times better than that and, and really gives you a sense of uh, batting out in the middle. Mm. Yeah, I, and in fact, it, it gave me, it was so realistic that it, it gave me a sense of deja vu because. I recall with bitter humiliation my attempt to try and score runs off Malcolm Marshall at Lords one day uh, to win a one-day game and failing miserably, playing and missing a number of times and eventually walking off even though I hadn't actually hit it. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's the kind of effect that fast bowling certainly had on me anyway. And uh, there I am facing what a bowler looked a bit like Malcolm Marshall uh, the other day and trying to get runs off it at Lords and playing and missing again, being late on the ball. 
And, of course, I wasn't at Lords at all. I was in a studio in Shoreditch using a virtual reality headset... Uh, which transported me straight into the centre at Lords with the stands and the media centre and the pavilion behind me, 360-degree view, uh, a, a West Indian-looking fast bowler about to bowl who ran in and hurled a few virtual reality deliveries at me. I had a bat in my hand, which was connected to a number of sensors, and I was able to actually try and play that type of bowling with fielders who moved. So when I hit the ball occasionally, I think I only hit the slower balls, um, I hit the ball through the covers and a fielder chased after it and hurled it back and the scoreboard showed that I'd scored two. Um, I was able to stand back and watch the ball again and how the bat played the ball. Um, and it just it was just incredible. I mean, it was that realistic that when I got a bouncer, I ducked. Mm. And I was standing in the studio, uh, you know, in the middle of Shoreditch on a, on a very wet day, nowhere near Lords. And how much better was it than the one we used at Lords last year, you know, the NatWest simulator, which was good fun. You know, you, you play a few shots, but yeah. it was, it was sort of hard to get the timing right. It was very hard. And it, it, but but it, this, was, this was utterly really, realistic. Totally was it? realistic. I mean, it was so realistic that... I, I was playing and missing, just as I imagined or remembered <laughs> playing and missing uh, when I was actually playing. No, you, you, the ball came out of the... You know, the bowler ran into bowl. It's an avatar, so it's based on a real bowler. Uh, at the moment, it, you know, the technology hasn't quite caught up with modern life, so they haven't yet got enough bowlers or the real bowlers that you would actually face in a match, but before long they will have. They'll have a, a Dale Stain running into bowl, mm. an avatar version, but with his exact action and with the ball coming out as he would bowl it, at the speed he would bowl it at, a virtual ball. And then the way you play the ball is replicated exactly as you would play it in a match. There's even the sound of the ball right. hitting the bat. Uh, there's the death rattle when you miss it and it hits your stumps. So there's crowd noise in your, in your earphones. In your headphones, and, and, and actually, the, one of the points of this technology is not just to test your reflexes and ability at playing 82, 85 miles an hour and swing and all that, but also how you handle pressure. So, you know, the crowd noise are very realistic. So you, you, it does sort of up your heart rate. And the Australians sledging you? <laughs> well, they didn't need to because I wasn't in long enough. But uh, I think that would be, that, you know, Rishabh Pant, in the future, yeah. they could bring in a Rishabh Pant-type character, a wicketkeeper standing up to the stump with the spinners on, mm. and him saying to you, he's not putting away the bad ball or something like that, which is what he was doing in that series against Australia. So there's, it's, it's got boundless potential both in terms of speeding up and improving your skills and also in things like registering your heart rate, how you deal with pressurised situations, can you hit two off the last ball with a you know, perfect Yorker bowling, practising the ramp shot yeah. against Pat Cummins you know, without getting hit. 14-year-old bat bat batsman in their bedroom facing... Dale staying yeah. without and, getting injured. And you, so you could get up in the morning. It'd be fantastic. You get up on Christmas morning. You have your breakfast. You open your presents. You put your virtual headset on. Stand in your bedroom all day. You could you could you could bat for two hours in the morning. Have lunch. Two hours in the afternoon. Have tea. God. And then, well, Jeffrey used to do it. Didn't yes. He? <laughs> and then bat for another two hours. And, th and that's your, Some, and you. Just go on batting. I mean, you, what a fan, what a fantastic tool yeah. for someone who you know who is young who what you know because in the winter. You know, it's it's hard to find a net, isn't it? It is. It is. Well, no, where it, where do you practice? That's it's, true. It's different with football. You can just go out in the park and have a mm. have a kick around. I yeah. mean, if you can find a field somewhere, or even you know, even a bit of concrete somewhere. 
cricket, you, you just lack those facilities. But if you can do just stand in your bedroom, just bat all day, that's mm. absolute, absolute heaven. That. Yeah, it is. I think it could cause some destruction of bedrooms as well, because if you sort of decided to face a few bouncers and you played the hook shot, yeah. you could take out the light fittings or, you know, various shelves or whatever, or, your, or even the windows, yeah. I suppose, if you're in your bedroom. So maybe they need to develop something in the headset where you can actually see a little bit of the outside, the real world as well, because otherwise you could destroy things or hit people, actually. Let's have a listen to the... The inventor of this was um, a lady who, who was based in Ireland... Uh, Kathy Craig, she's a professor of psychology, and she got the idea partly from seeing uh, uh, amazing free kicks taken in football, and you know, footballers bending the ball round the wall and scoring in the top corner, and thinking, I wonder if I can develop some virtual reality that could help goalkeepers practice. So that was where she started, actually developing virtual reality with the free kick bending round the wall towards you, the goalkeeper, and you, the goalkeeper, is going to try and, and, and actually save this virtual ball. But, and so she's used some experts in, in virtual reality to develop this for football, rugby and cricket, which she played uh, as a schoolgirl. So let's hear from her. My passion is decision-making, and that there you have to make a decision. So you have to hit a four off the last ball. Where are you going to place that ball? Okay, yes, it's going to depend on the delivery, but you also have to see where the gap between the fielders are, where that space might be, or where the weakness in the fielding lineup is. So, and I think that's where the next step is, because if you think about, for me, this technology has to add value. It has to allow you to do something maybe you can't currently do, or allow you to do it more times than you can currently do. So that ability to hit balls at 90 mile an hour one after the other is something that's very difficult to do in real life because to do that in real life you have to have a bowler who delivers the ball to you at 90 miles per hour and we know what pressure that puts on that physically on that player so to give somebody the mental reps it's great to have this digital technology that can allow you to do it but not only that observe what's happening pick a space and, and, and then do it and I think what you were able to see maybe today when you tried it yourself was that ability to replay a shot so immediately you could step to the side and see your action and that's very informative and do you think that ultimately it could give a team a performance advantage I th there is absolutely no reason why practicing in a simulator that preserves what it is that's unique about that simulation so that the that, it, that it's as close to reality as it can. There's no reason why if you're practising in that scenario it doesn't transfer into everyday life. Just look at other areas where you use simulation. Flight simulators. So actually pilots can train on a flight simulator and that counts towards their licence. You've got surgeons practice in VR to make the, any mistakes there before they do it. Formula One, so much of their training is done in virtual reality as well. So these other professions are using it there's no reason why if we don't if we get it right that you couldn't do it in, in for cricket or for any other sport well that's Kathy Craig I've talked about how I would love to have used it as a 12 year old or whatever in fact to be honest if they bring it out I'll go and buy one I think and, <laughs> yeah. and do it now because it's just be so, so much fun yeah. do you think it can be used in the professional game as well do you think it would make a, a huge difference to players in the professional game well I know that um, Vincent Company Manchester City has invested in the football version uh, and I think once the cricket version has a bit more evolution, definitely it will be great for the professional game because it's incredibly realistic. They need to get the, the, the shots through the field and the fielding 
a little bit more sophisticated, only a tiny bit, and they need to get more bowlers and, you know, real balls developed, because at the moment there's only probably about nine or ten different deliveries from one bowler, mm. so they need to get all the bowlers, and they'll have to actually specifically film them or get the film of all the great international bowlers and domestic bowlers as well to make it very, very useful for professionals, but once they've done that, I think it's it's got boundless potential. Yeah, it just sh- I mean you can practice all day, can't you? Yeah. You can you can have a proper if you get it right, you can have a, a two hour yeah. net session at home against proper bowling under those sort of match circumstances. And we all know with technology that you know what's a prototype this year is you know really well developed three four yeah. years down the line. Mm. And you know who knows? The sky's the limit on something like this. One thing I would say about this though, it's it's all in favour of the batsman. What about the poor old bowlers? The, you know, a batsman can just stand there in your bedroom and practice for couple of hours as a 12 year old or 14 year old but what about the poor old bowlers though i mean that, that i mean that's so much harder to to help them mm. with technology and we haven't yet really come up with it i mean i i know that certainly the development in sort of knee replacements and hip replacements <laughs> with the titanium available now is certainly helping so titanium bowlers i mean the bionic bowlers yeah. is what you need i'm just thinking actually i have found uh, a possible solution not to necessarily getting bowlers bowling faster or more accurately but maybe keeping their fitness for longer but that's something i'm going to talk about next week it's a a little innovation that uh, someone has approached me with which might just help bowlers stay on the field for longer by the way that uh, little story about the virtual reality is in a book that i'm writing at the moment uh, which is very much looking at the future of the game it's called pitch invasion how the ipl transformed sport and I'm writing it with Manoj Badali, the, the owner of the Rajasthan Royals, but it's very much about the evolution of cricket generally and how it fits into the sort of wider uh, framework of sport generally and, and, and the business of sport. Uh, so that story is contained in there. Look out for that. And talking of looking out for things, please, please subscribe to The Cricketer magazine or look out for the, the mag this Friday. It's the preview of the season. It's our best issue yet. It's an absolute bumper full of really interesting features, including, of course, a preview of each county season. So please subscribe to that if you can. And thanks very much for listening, and we'll speak to you next week. Goodbye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.